We have Shantae J in the house. Hey, the turn up is real. Cheers. Yes, yes. Cheers. Take a little sip. Mm-hmm. Just a little one now. Oh, I took too big of a sip. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right there in that throat. Hold on, wait. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay. That was that was too big of a sip. I might be a little lit. Uh, <coughs> I going in, so just bear with me. I receive it. All the way. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we have the infamous Shantae J in the house. (laughs) I'm really excited to have this young lady here to tell her story and to really like empower you uh, to really know that you are dope. And we will get into that and why I said dope, because you guys know I'm not from New York, but I try. (laughs) All right. So Shantae, Shantae, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about where you are right now. So right now I'm in a space as a speaker. Um, I work as an empowerment speaker. I'm also a youth activator. So I work in the youth development field, working as a consultant with educators and working basically to empower young people, which actually in turn empowers uh, grownups as well. I am also working as a professor um, at NYU and at Kingsborough Community College. And so at NYU, um, teaching social entrepreneurship um, incubator and practicum mm-hmm. and at Kingsborough I'm teaching effective public speaking so talking about how to talk effectively in rooms oh wow so you're you're juggling it a lot but it sounds like it's all within the same realm of like empowerment and entrepreneurship which is good mm-hmm. so let's take a step back because where you are now is probably not where you foresaw yourself to be right mm-hmm. so let's start all the way to the beginning when you were young what were some of your childhood aspirations and dreams? Oh, I wanted to be a cop because I just wanted to run. I wanted to be a detective, <laughs> specifically a detective. Like, I wanted to be like, yo, I'm out here in these streets running. I'm about to catch you. And then I was, I decided that that wasn't going to work for me because I didn't want to have to shoot anybody. Oh, so, okay. you know, I got in my feels about that. And then um, I remember wanting to be in the world of education, uh, mm-hmm. being a principal and then running a school. And then I realized I had to become a teacher and mm-hmm. I didn't want to teach. Uh, ironic, right? I didn't want to teach because I didn't want to grade papers. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, but I also I always wanted to help people. Um, and then I had another lane where I wanted to be uh, a banker, which I had an opportunity to do that an internship that I had um, in Chicago to work in the bank and rock out in the bank. And I was like, yep, this is not going to work because I keep falling asleep. <laughs> I'm a bank teller. It's not really helpful if you're coming to me and you want some money and I'm asleep. So it didn't really work out. Got it. And you mentioned Chicago. So tell me about uh, your where you were born and raised and a little bit about your childhood. So I'm from the west side of Chicago, off of Weston and Jackson from the Saints, which has been named to something else, but we don't even bring that in. Um, and so I'm the oldest of seven, mm-hmm. which is really dope because my mom, where we lived at in the Saints or where my siblings still live, um, she got an apartment there back in 85 when I was born mm-hmm. and I lived there all my life, um, up until leaving for college. Um, so yeah, so I'm from the West side of Chicago, from the Shah, right there on Weston and Jackson. Nice. Nice. I myself am from the South side. Hey. Yeah. So it's good to have a, a fellow Chicagoan on the show hey. uh, to talk about everything, uh, childhood and life <laughs> in the side. And this is like way back before it was dubbed Chirac, just to give everybody perspective. Yeah, uh, I don't really go now. So it's interesting <laughs> you say that because whenever anyone says Chirac, I, I check them real quick. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Um, and young people, too. 
um, mm-hmm. like, yo, don't be disrespecting my spot, B. Um, and I break it down to them. And the, really, mm-hmm. the conversation is less about just the name itself. Oh, well, you know, Chief Keith said. And that means what? Exactly. You're saying that's credibility? Yeah. No, nah, we're not doing that. So I need you to apologize. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You right, you right. Exactly. Yeah, there's, Moving a, forward. there's a lot of history in Chicago. It shouldn't be overshadowed by that that term. Because it's not a term in, of endearment. Nah, nah. So, so when you were younger, you had these various paths that you were looking to enter into. You had the Taylor route, the bank Taylor route, where you quickly realized, no, this is not for me. It's mm-hmm. not... Uh, fueling my my energy it's not giving me the creative outlet that i need um and then you had this path where you actually went to school mm-hmm. tell us about how you transitioned from chicago to new york that's really dope uh so as i said i'm the first of seven um growing up for me it wasn't really as fun um i was bullied uh for being smart <laughs> Mm-hmm. I it's 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 ironic because I was bullied for being smart, but so many people like me for being smart, but they just didn't know how to articulate that. Mm-hmm. And um, where I grew up, people didn't necessarily make it out the hood. So I grew up in the hood. I grew up poor, low income, um, barely making rocking Payless shoes that were too big for my feet before Payless shoes was a thing. Now, before Payless shoes now closed out. Yeah. Um, and I would, yeah, clothes that were too big. And it was really a moment of, for me, I just knew that there was more for me for life mm-hmm. like it was it was just something in me and I, I know it had to do with my mom Marlene Edwards uh shout out to her and really kind of instilling in me that there was so much more for me to do and in high school I was valedictorian so all four years of high school yes. I was number one I was rocking out um I was hungry mm-hmm. uh, I grew up sheltered my mom had an instant she grew up on the south side over on 57 and Loomis and mm-hmm. she grew up she was the 12th kid of 15 Oh, wow. Yeah. And something happened when she was younger where her older brother was murdered. And that kind of like shifted her to when she had children. We didn't get to go outside. So I didn't really get to go outside until I was like 16 by myself. So mm-hmm. once I got once I was like 14, I started working. Um, I got my learner's permit. and Well, not my learner's permit, my work permit. And I started working. Um, and that kind of like propelled me to be exposed to things in Chicago. So it's like, oh, I got a job. I can go down here, get on the bus. It was just down the street, but it was major for me. Yeah. And that kind of like build up this whole thing of coming from where I come from to then eventually coming to New York. Because before New York had come, it was college, uh, which was always a thing for me. But I quickly understood that. Um, I went to this program called College Summit, which is now called Peer Forward. And as a rising senior in high school, and I was the only one from my school. So I've always been the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to the program. And at first I was like, yeah, I'm going to New York. I'm going to work at NYU. I'm going to go yeah. to school at NYU. And um, I remember being in that particular program and they're making me realize that it was going to cost to go back and forth. People mm. sometimes get homesick. Like I was being exposed to a lot of things that we weren't talking about in my school. We weren't talking about with the counselors, uh, though I was number one, not though I was number one in rocking against valedictorian. I was still in a sense where I was lost, but I knew that there was more than a hood. Right. Yeah. Never judging my, my peers, never judging my like my friends like we rock together. But it was more for me. Something else was like yearning, like this curiosity. And that kind of what sparked me to leave Chicago and eventually go two hours south uh, down to U of I. So I attended Mm -hmm. attended college and again, first. Right. So Mm -hmm. first to go away to school, first to be in college. um, I applied 
on my own. I um, filled out the financial aid on my own because mm-hmm. my mom didn't know. And right. I never knocked her for it because I was, I was always curious. Like I, I always ask questions like, mm-hmm. what is this? Or what is this? Or what is this? Um, and so because of College Summit opportunity and being exposed to um, this like level of college access, mm-hmm. I was hungry to go to school. So I went down to U of I. And at the time, it was few Westsiders at U of I. It was really like Southside held it down. <laughs> um, you know, because in, in growing up, it was like people from the West Side didn't go to school. Um, and I never realized that, like, I was so oblivious to the, the, the thing that people really didn't even make it out of high school as often and what that meant for me. And so kind of fast forward went to college, rocked out in college. College was tough, uh, for me again, being the first, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, uh, with breast cancer when I was in high school and it only got worse when yeah. I was in college and being two hours South again, I knew there was more, I knew there was more. So I was hungry. Um, and in college, I was exposed to more things and access because I was curious. I tried everything mm-hmm. and I worked all the time. Like I remember working like three jobs and taking 17 hours. Mm. Um, but again, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. So post-college came D.C. So before New York, there was D.C. And D.C. was an opportunity for me to explore outside of Illinois and like get out of Chicago. Like I really wanted to go. So I left D.C., uh, right before I left D.C., actually, I was um, selected to do Teach for America in Chicago, mm-hmm. which was very rare um, for people from Chicago at the time to get placed in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to go and defer that and go to D.C. for an internship that blossomed into a full-time job. Nice. So the college summit thing that I did in the high school, mm-hmm. they were also the opportunity that helped me get out of Chicago and work as an intern and then do uh, that over the summer and yeah. get a full-time job. Fast forward, I was in D.C. for about five and a half years, did some work with College Summit, worked for them, and then worked um, in another nonprofit and then transitioned to New York. And New York came about because in 2013, um, excuse me, excuse me, in 2013, December 7, 2013, my mom passed away. Mm. And what was so uh, game changing was that I've always wanted to come to New York. Right. Mm-hmm. So even as a kid in high school, I wanted to come to New York and November, like the the weekend before Thanksgiving, the week before Thanksgiving in 2013, my mom had come to visit me and it was so game changing because my mom had never flown. Like here I am flying here and there all mm-hmm. my life and her meeting me at airports, but she had never been on a plane. Um, and so she finally agreed. We hung out in D.C. for like four days, just her and I in my place. We're taking her here, taking her there. It was really game changing because she got to see my life. Right. Yeah. I come from the hood. I come from being the poor. My family was still poor at the time. They still mm-hmm. didn't have money. As And kind of like me in this middle class income, it shifted the conversation. So here I am. I'm showing my mom, like, look at this, mom. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> hey, we got to go here. We're going to go to White House. Yeah. Obama's still president. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. <laughs> oh, we got to hang out. Oh, we. Us boys and poets, I got you, boo. Um, and so it was really amazing. And then um, I remember her leaving, and it was so dope. Um, and then mm, 13 days later, she passed away. Mm. And that just like messed me up. And this was 2013. 13. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2013, December 7, 2013, she passed away unexpectedly. And I was just in a space where I couldn't like exist really in mm-hmm. DC for too long. Um, I tried to rock it out, but a month and a half after my mom passed away, my apartment flooded mm-hmm. and I was homeless for 45 days. Wow. And so here I am going through this thing. I finally get a spot in March, and I'm like, yo, I can't do this. 
Yeah. I can't, it was just becoming too hard. And so the company that I was working for then, I hollered at them at the time. It was really, really good conversation about, look, I got to go. Like, I can't mm-hmm. keep doing this. Their, the headquarters was in New York. And I was like, yo, let me come to New York. Here I am. Boom, New York. And what is it? Four years now. Um, September 15, 2014. Yep, was when I moved here. Wow. Um, yeah. So you went from having various routes that you could take to a, like going to college, figuring out the logistics of getting in. Like once you were accepted, how do I pay for college? Mm-hmm. How do I understand financial aid, student loans? Which I think there should be more classes on that. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was the same way when I went to UNC Charlotte, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure all that out. Mm-hmm. But then you were also juggling an emotional aspect Levels. of your world with your your mom still dealing with the breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Then you have this great opportunity with Pierre Ford. Uh, yeah, no, College, Summit, College Summit. Yeah. Where it takes you essentially from high school to college mm-hmm. through exposing you to people who are actually been there, done that, mm-hmm. and they want to give back to actually giving you your first opportunity to essentially leave mm-hmm. Illinois. Yeah. That's yeah. that's so powerful because I think people think, okay, I have my life planned out. I know exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're not exposed to opportunities, you don't know that they exist. If I you're not agree. exposed to the people who can, like, help you and, and kind of, like, guide you, mm-hmm. you don't know that those opportunities exist, mm-hmm. which I think is really fascinating. Um, and to to your point, and just, like, I want to point something out, too, about exposure and access, and that's what I'm about. Yeah. College Summit happened because your girl was a junior in high school, and I asked questions. I always asked questions. And mm-hmm. I was working this receptionist job downtown on State in Jackson. And I remember going through FASWeb at the time, looking at scholarships. Mm-hmm. And I saw this thing called Chicago Scholars, which mm-hmm. is now Scholarship Chicago. No, it's just, no, it was called Chicago. No, it was called Sh- Scholarship Chicago. Now it's Chicago Scholars. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a, a scholarship opportunity. And I called them, and the application was due that day. They gave me an extension to that following Monday, and we were still—I was still using typewriters at the time. Oh wow! Yo, it was then, right? And so I remember asking the question um, to them, like, "Hey, it was on a Friday. It was due. I was like, can I get in until Monday?'" I had no idea where I was going to get a typewriter from. I just knew. And at the end of the day, basically, my point is that God has been my foundation. Mm-hmm. So, sh- like, shifting from that phone call that led to me doing the program, then led to me connecting to these folks, then going to college, and then this, this, and that. Shifting those gears, you're right, with the narrative being able to change. Yeah, and I like the fact that even when you're in D.C., like, you're giving your mom that opportunity to know that you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, giving her peace of mind. Because I imagine as a parent, I'm not a parent, but as a parent or someone that loves someone deeply, Mm -hmm. it's important for them to know that you're okay. okay. Yeah. So you had the ability to not only get her on her first flight, but then to also show her and expose her to something that she probably has never never seen before. Definitely. Like being from Chicago like that. Like if she, if you if she had you all protected in the house, mm-hmm. yeah. she felt, probably felt that she wasn't going to be able to protect you outside of the house Facts. because of her brother, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you you had some some struggle points. Not even struggle points. You had some growth points. Facts. In DC. And that took you to New York. When you were in New York, like, how did you essentially get here to the point where you are right now? Excuse me. God. 
<laughs> Shout out to him. G-O-D, you know what I mean? The universe <laughs> be working for me, bars. Um, so what happened was that, it, oh man, I made, I made a request, right? I asked the company that I was working for then about the opportunity to get to New York, right? Mm-hmm. Got to New York and was still working for the company. Um, and probably, and then two years in, um, of being in New York and four years in and being with the company, I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm. Right. So the work that I was doing was, was, was not fulfilling me anymore. And I felt like there was more, but I couldn't see past that. And so to be in a space in 2016 where like fresh a year and a half in New York city working, but I'm like not feeling the vibe anymore. It wasn't challenging me. There was so much more that I was exposed to being here in New York. Right. Mm -hmm. So from culture to like, yo, people out here in these streets being freelancers doing they do and they still get to make money and they still get to sleep and they're trying to eat, but they don't have a nine to five. Mm. Right. And in my growing up, a nine to five was my base point. So, Going back to when I was younger, what I saw on TV, I just knew I had to work a nine to five. Mm-hmm. A nine to five was going to get me the health benefits. It was going to support me with having the money, the 401k, because I always had to think about, well, I chose to think about my family. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm out, then they got to be out. You know, I got to create paths. You know, I got to yeah. do all this type of stuff. Give but we, it's, it's going back to money mm-hmm. um, and money always being the motivator. And what happened to me being here now is in the past, like three years of transitioning from the company I used to work for that got me here it was like breakthrough points Mm -hmm. of understanding that my purpose was bigger than what I was really at the time ready for and now being a speaker right so I'm leading and saying I'm a speaker my gift Mm -hmm. is speaking I will communicate my ASS off to you (laughs) in ways I will break that down right the other thing that I had to realize is that I have a gift for young people Mm -hmm. I love them, and I don't want to see them every day. However, give me some hit it and quit it. I got you, boo. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I go back to when I was in high school, and I wanted to be a principal and a, or a counselor. Yeah. I always used to say, I even did a master's program for a little bit at Loyola uh, University in Maryland when I was in D.C. Um, to be a counselor. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember saying to myself, I don't want to work with the kids. I want to work with the people that work with the kids. Right. Mm. And so in 2014, I, I instead shifted that because I was always like heavy with education and nonprofit. And in D.C. it was heavy. It was saturated with nonprofit. Everybody got a nonprofit. Everybody yeah. worked for a nonprofit, nonprofit or the government. And so that had become my identity because it was my formative years. Mm-hmm. Shifting that, though, and being in New York, I was like, wait. I want to do something else. And so before moving to New York, I got my MBA. I was working on my MBA when I was mm-hmm. in D.C. Because I was like, yo, I'm ready to get some business. I need some money. I need money. I need some money. <laughs> you know, my mom had just passed. My siblings yeah. needed me at the time. My brother was incarcerated. It was like, I need money. You know, and so that was like that deep voice in Like that was, was was driving me. But being where I am now in a space where I can say, so, by the way, I'm a speaker. Oh, really? Motivational? Yeah, you know, empowerment. Yeah, you know, I can do it all. And I'm a youth activator. Give me any type of room, put me in any type of room. I got you. I'm also a passion pusher, right? Mm-hmm. I'm all about purpose and you standing in your truth. Um, and then finally, what also happened for me is in 2016, I did a TEDx talk. Yes. You are enough. And that. That's what kind of like launched everything. Man, because I started like looking. I was writing it at the top of the year. Um, initially, I was asked to do the TEDx talk for the youth. Uh, the youth version. Um, and then I got shifted to do it for the main stage. And at the top of that year in 2016, I was writing. I'm like, yeah, you are enough. Your biggest critic, your biggest cheerleader. Damn. 
I'm a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Right. And a part of who I am when it comes down to values and morals is that my biggest thing is fairness and integrity. I can't be out here telling you you are enough and go do you and be your biggest cheerleader. If I'm over here looking in the mirror and saying, damn, I don't think I'm enough. Yeah. I don't think that I'm, 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 you know, I'm beautiful enough or I'm smart enough or I can't do that. I can't do that. And I had gone through a lot of things in my life where, again, being here in 2016, I had to face me. Uh, which is interesting because I just got finished reading the four agreements and talking about how everybody's out here lying and pretending to be somebody that they're not. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that's what I was doing. And to get here and now in this moment and saying, I'm a speaker, I'm a facilitator, I'm a professor, um, aspiring author, holla at your girl. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. out here trying to make things happen. But at the, at the core of what I do, I make space for you to share your story and be empowered by who you are. Yeah. Design safe spaces. I love it because it sounds like New York kind of opens you up for more experiences because the energy here is like none other as far as like being surrounded by ambitious people and just seeing, like, like I said, exposure and access, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're exposed to people who are hustling. You're exposed to people who are trying to build things and create things, but you're also seeing the access that they have through their nine to five or outside of their nine to five from their networks and the relationships that they've built. And that's, yeah. I agree with you because in DC, like I have a lot of people. I know a lot of people know me. Let me just say, that. <laughs> I love her, y'all. I love y'all. I love the way they love me. Oh my gosh! I've been in a part of a lot of affinity groups. Let's say it like that, right? Yeah. So rocking out in different affinity groups has allowed me access to so many different people, mm-hmm. and even in hood, like not even even where I come from, from the neighborhood, um, I've been able to keep in contact with folks who have seen me since I was just little little, little baby, right? Yeah. And so going back to the whole uh, thing and the premise around social capital, mm-hmm. um, New York was like, yo, hey, you got something? Make some something happen. And what I, what I always tell people, like, oh, what's the difference? You've been in Chicago. You've been in D.C. You've been in New York. I'm saying, New York, if you're from New York and you've been in New York for a while, mm-hmm. if you have a dream, you're going to make it happen. Yep. Period. There is no other. There's no comma. You want to do something? And that's what I respect about people who are native New Yorkers and those who have lived here for a long time. In D.C., shout out to D.C. because I love y'all and I'm going to see y'all soon. Um I, I, I want to say D.C. was was need, need, was necessary for me. Let me say it again. D.C. was necessary for me as uh, to, f- like, formulate me as a professional. Mm, yeah. So brunches and happy hours, blazers and conversations, who right. you are as you walk in a room, networking and asking you, so what do you do? And me shifting conversations and saying, so how are you changing the world? Yeah. You know, being in spaces where I felt important because I was really riding on credibility. New York is like, I don't care who the hell you are <laughs> shit you know <laughs> oh you doing that all right cool cool my homie over there over there over there doing the same thing so what i mean i'm yeah. saying you know what what makes you different yeah exactly and and it sounds like coming to new york it really helps you open your eyes to yourself facts right because even with the ted talk as you're writing it you're like dang this is really powerful stuff but am i implementing what i'm trying to share for others facts which is really interesting talk to us a little bit about how you deal with your mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're doing a lot. You have your your company, I Am Dope. You have your consulting aspect, but then you're adjunct um, adjunct, uh, adjunct mm-hmm. professor at two different universities, yeah. As well as like 
everything else that you do. Facts. So how do you balance that, but then make sure that you're taking care of your mental health as well? Facts. Well, that's an amazing question, Brittany. So let me throw it back a little second, because before I got to here, I was somewhere else that was hella busy. Mm-hmm. And hella busy, just not necessarily being as productive. I was just busy. Mm-hmm. So I've been busy since I was 14. You know, that was always the thing. Shantae, what you doing? Are you busy? Yeah, I'm busy. Just busy. Just busy as hell doing nothing. Yeah. And it wasn't until last year, 2018, where I had to stop. Because for 10 years, I had been suffering from pain in my body. Mm-hmm. And this pain was in my back. And it hurt. I couldn't sit for too long. I couldn't stand for too long. I couldn't do certain activities physically. I was in pain. And because of that pain, it shifted how I was moving. And I just, again, wanted to be a part of everything because I was looking for credibility. I wanted you to see me. Like, I wanted to see. I want y'all to see me. I'm out here. I'm out here. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to check off, check off, check off. Not having any type of plan, even though I'm a planner, yeah. but not really, though, in alignment to where I was going. And so that throwback, I wanted to bring that up because it shifted when I had my surgery mm-hmm. at the top in January. Um, and the surgery was to remove, or I would say release my fibroids. Mm-hmm. And so in releasing that, it supported my back and, and really helping me now to feel like I'm invincible. Getting prepared for that surgery is what helped me with my mental. Mm-hmm. So in July of 2018, I had decided, actually, June of 2018, I decided that July, I was going to take a break. I was going to take a break from social media. Um, I was going to take a break from the world because I'm always out here doing the most, you know, trying to be this, trying to do that. Let me start this podcast. Ooh, let me do that speaking gig. Ooh, I'm going to do that for free, but not really taking the time for me. Mm -hmm. And what I had learned with my mom um, in all her years of living was that I felt like she didn't really get enough time to herself. Yeah, She didn't, you know, raising seven children very, very successfully where we never felt neglected. Mm-hmm. And she was all of our best friends, let us tell you, um, and then so many other people. Mm-hmm. And so in being a reflection for her and wanting to also, a reflection of her and wanting to live a longer life, I had to realize something. Yo, I got to take a break. Yes. Yeah. And the mental health part. Um, the, 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 the wellness as a whole, right? So physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally mm-hmm. had always been a, a concern, but not a priority. Mm. So, you know how they say people make time what they want to make time for facts. And that was, I wasn't making time for me. Yeah. I was too busy air quotes, trying to create this identity because I was pretending I was lying to myself. I was, so caught up in everything else and being remembered that I didn't really take the moment to think, okay, Shantae, what about you? And so when I was preparing for the surgery that was set for December of 2018, I had to start taking it slow. Mm -hmm. I had to start shifting like, I'm getting a major surgery. I've never had a major surgery. Oh shit, I'm getting a major surgery, you know? (laughs) And so kind of like really processing that, that I had to choose to get a therapist and I have I had a therapist before and I learned that like our relationship just didn't work out. Uh she was good for we were good to each other for the time that we had each other. Um and that was back in two thousand sixteen. And I didn't realize the importance of again making time for myself. We yeah. didn't work out because I wasn't really committed to our schedule, our appointments. I was late, you know, I was just not working out. Yeah. So I looked in August for a therapist, um, and I ended up going I I did the whole like um uh, was it therapy for black girls? Yeah, uh, I did that. And then from there, someone recommended uh, psychology today. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where I found my therapist. And in August, I, I, I made the leap. Like I, I started working to support this busy idea and really clarity for me. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing was that I was taking on so many other people's lives that I wasn't really clear about what my life was and the alignment. I was also balloting with um, you can only do one thing in the world, right? So you can only have one job. But when re- in reality, there are people who are multi-passionate and they can juggle. It's just a matter of how you schedule it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happened. So like in being here where I am now, the mental piece started with, okay, therapy is happening. It kicked off in August um, and it was necessary to just like let some shit out. I remember asking my therapist, like, so what are we supposed to do here? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I supposed to prepare for this? Always thinking, like I'm always prepping, prepping, prepping versus just letting it flow. And that throws back to my rearing and being the oldest of seven and taking on that identity and not knowing how to have fun. Yeah. Not knowing how to play, not knowing how to rest. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about self care is bae, but girl, you ain't doing <laughs> that shit. You know, you cheating on bae with busy, you know, and so. Yeah. I, I, so that's what ended up starting happening and started thinking about like, okay, when it comes to my mental and being busy, like right now my schedule actually flows very well compared to what it used to be because mm-hmm. now I have boundaries. So to be busy, you have to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. To be busy, you have to be able to say no. To be yeah. busy, you also have to have time to rest and play. You you cover a lot of great points and I hope the listeners uh, rewind it and listen to it again, because you're essentially talking about being okay with switching your therapist, like understanding that and recognizing that, am I really committing to this? Mm -hmm. Am I really doing the work Mm -hmm. with this to now you're saying I had to really figure out who I was Mm -hmm. and what I was able to give to the world and recognize that I have to put me first. That's the part. Right. Yeah. And I think that's such a a huge point to make as far as like putting yourself first, like that job would always be there, but Mm -hmm. they don't care about you like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be able to say, all right, I need to go to the doctor Mm -hmm. and stop your work and go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Right. So I love the fact that you're taking it and telling the listeners full, like giving them the full scope of everything, even talking about your major surgery. That's so huge that a lot of women, especially in the black community, deal with fibroids. Man. And they're just starting to talk about it more in the media and on Facts. television shows. Facts. And so I love the fact that you're you're just being open and honest about it. I think I saw it on your Instagram too, yeah. where you were posting photos about it. And it took me a while because I had to read, yeah. because I was like, oh, oh shoot, is she doing this now? Got a whole email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to like go back and reread, yeah. and I saw that okay, this is what you were going through at that time uh. and at that moment. But it takes someone really, really brave. And comfortable with who they are and understanding their purpose and their voice Mm. to be able to share something so powerful as that. And I received that. So I want to first for thank you um, as a woman of color and and shouting that out from, you know, I received that and I acknowledge you for being able to acknowledge me Mm -hmm. um, because it was tough and I was angry. For some time, I was like, yo, why me? Why Why am I, you know, going through this? And why does this have to be? And I didn't even know. Yeah. Like, I was one of those people who, for 10 years, I suffered with this. But three years ago, when I found out, I didn't realize the the impact of yes. what it was doing to me. And then I was afraid because my mom wasn't here, right? I couldn't talk to her about it. So I start asking people, again, me and my questions. I start asking people. And then, as you know, I found out my barber. And then, like, 
the people down the street and then this woman over, over the corner and then even my like aunt like mm-hmm. th- you got five, what i'm going to events and i'm talking about it yeah i'm getting prepared for my surgery you got what oh yeah we don't talk about it because we're ashamed um no mm-hmm. so we're not going to do that because our babies going back to them need to know to be able to ask those questions and also push through but the bravery really connects back to my mother because my mom dealt with so much that she was uh metastatic she had metastatic stage four breast cancer for four years not four years 19 years Mm. no uh, not everyone knew that and she showed up all the time but she also struggled she was in pain she was hurt she was depressed but she showed up and she showed up all the time not but she and she that's some bullshit (laughs) I think I can say that, right? It's just like, <laughs> my that's a BS. Um, because we, we, why we got to struggle? We like, yeah. why are we out here struggling in these streets? And so really being able to share that as a moment of like, kind of, you don't have to struggle and you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. And I think there's a bigger, a bigger point to make that you don't have to struggle by yourself. Facts. So speaking of like how you put everything together and put it out there on social media. One of the main focuses of the podcast is social currency. Mm -hmm. So social currency is building social networks to gain access, influence, resources, and networking in the digital space that affects a person online and offline. Mm -hmm. And with your social media, you have over 2,000 followers. You're active a little bit on on LinkedIn, you have your Twitter, but how has social media influenced or empowered what you're doing now? So it's funny you say that, uh, Brittany, because the social media stresses me out. Um, and it, it, it has stressed me out more recently because of its own presence. Back in the day when I was on social media, back when it was just like Facebook and I was yeah. like out here, boom, 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 was, you know, it was, fun. it was fun. And then, then, then we got all this other stuff and it's like, yo, I got to focus. I got to curate. I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, wait, who am I? Shantae J? Oh, wait, am I a brand? Am I, I am dope? You know, <sighs> through that though, I've learned authenticity is key. Yeah. Say it again for the people. Authenticity is key. For the people in the back. And that's the game changing part. So using social media, I had to also, you know, it's it kind of like being drowned in. I focused on marketing when I got my MBA and social media was a part of that, too. And really understanding that it wasn't about the numbers for me. And it hasn't been right to have like 2000 followers. I haven't been pushing to become an influencer. Shout out to the influencers. Uh, but I've influenced how yet I am an influencer to people. Right. right? So leading in my story and really understanding what I'm curating has everything to do with storytelling, mm-hmm. which I'm passionate about. Yo, I want to know your story, baby. Mm-hmm. Your story matters. So in order for me to be able to open up and design spaces, safe spaces, I have to share who I am. I'll share who I am. I'll give you a little something, something um, and, and talk to you because God talks through me in ways of to empower others. And I'll share a bit of my life as well. And in doing that, I hope, here's the other thing, I hope you feel it. I realize people do. So when I took a break from like July to like, I did it before when I took a social media break. Mm-hmm. I realized people start hitting me up, ding, 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 in a text yeah. message like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen you in a while. I miss you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I think people realize that once, you know, when you're on social media and you take a break, which I suggest you do, take breaks because it helps. 
it also supports the social capital piece and the social currency because the social mm-hmm. networking um, is truly an opportunity and spaces to share what you're doing mm-hmm. and how, right? So Facebook mm-hmm. is a lot of people on there who love me, a lot of people from me growing up, family, family friends. friends. Yeah. So the things that I share and I'm curating on Facebook, it can end up on Instagram, but Instagram I'm just getting back into. Um, and I've been trying to figure out that groove as well. It's like, okay, cool. So the Shantae J. That's me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be a whole lot of other people. So it mm-hmm. used to be Shantae. It used to be I Am Dope. It used to be the consulting. Now I'm shifting gears and saying, I want to show more of me. And here's my personal story that I'm showing from Facebook. Um, and so going back to the question is around the social currency and social networking, it's helped me as a tool to share my story mm-hmm. and to allow other people who want, who care. Yeah. Like, And these are people I know. Like when people follow me, these are those 2,000, 2,500 people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I know them. They know me. We yeah. know we, we cross paths in some type of capacity where you're seeing me. And even if you're not because of the algorithm, clicking on my, my, <laughs> my situation, damn the algorithms, um, you find it eventually, right? And then right. when you find it, you're like, oh, I didn't know. I know. I know. Yeah. And so the last piece around social networking is that it has allowed me to update people and have them feel close to me because I am a recovering phonaholic. Not even. That's not even a word. Um, I'm a recovering. It's okay. I, you know, I struggle. You, you like with to being talk a- on the phone? No, I don't. See, that's the part. That's how <laughs> I was trying to work out. Um, I haven't been good at the phone um, or text message or getting back. Uh, my text game is weak. And no, it's gotten better. It used to be that I was so busy, quote quotes, doing other things that I wasn't making space for other people. Mm. Um, and so social networking has supported people being updated in around my life. It also has encouraged me too to create more authentic relationships in person. Yeah, and I love the fact that you're talking about authenticity because in order to be authentic on social media, you really have to know yourself. You really have to understand who you are, what you want, what makes you happy. Mm. Because people can read through your smile. They can read through your your catchy captions. And they can see that and they can feel that. So I love the fact that you're saying my focus on my social is just to be authentic and share more of myself. Me. And you never know who you're empowering or no. whose life you're changing because people think that social media is just like within their state, within their local environment. Good but points. social media is global. Facts. Like I have people from Australia like that follow me and yeah. like love the podcast. I have people in, in like Sweden. Mm-hmm. So it's like really understanding that social media is one of those platforms for you to really use your voice, tell your story, but then show your authenticity, show authenticity. your truth. Yeah. All right, cool. So you have had so many experiences from when you were younger trying to figure everything out to being exposed to the opportunities to go to school, to mm-hmm. living in DC, everything that happened with your mom and your family, your brother, all the way to moving to New York and really experiencing that that serious uh, moment in your life with the surgery but then out of that you found more of yourself and you yes. found more of your voice mm-hmm. so of all of those experiences what one piece of advice would you place on a post-it on your desk for yourself oh shit oh my gosh <laughs> that's, that's that's like levels of that one piece of advice one piece of on advice. a post-it i like on post-it. the post they make me happy um to yourself to myself Dear self, I love you. I see you. I adore you. I value you. You matter. Always. You are enough right now. 
period. I love it. And watch her TED Talk because she mentions a lot of that again. Mm-hmm. I think we've both had a lot of champagne, so I'm not going to ask you to repeat that unless you got it. I, I don't got it, so <laughs> we're just going to leave that. Rewind. <laughs> I know I know. I said some things, you know, yourself. Yeah, you, you I love have to you. rewind it and listen to mm-hmm. what she put on that post-it. Uh, I love it because I think your whole message behind that just makes sense. Like mm. knowing that you are enough mm. and that you matter. Right now, baby. Yes. And that's a, and I want to stress that right now because in TED Talk, it really is important that you sit in the present. And that's the other thing about being busy and thinking about social networking and social currency and capital and, and relationship and authenticity. I've learned the importance of being present. Oh, God. That's something that I'm learning with my therapist right now mm. is being present. And it's so important. It's a big difference. Wait, shout out for a moment. (laughs) Black women talking about therapy as it's just a regular conversation. Let's just say yes. 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 It's It's important. Like, I'm a huge advocate of mental health Mm -hmm. um, and taking care of yourself. Yeah. And so one of the things that we focus on right now that I'm really diving into is just being present. Like, like taking in all of the emotions, anything mm. that you feel, taking in the senses, and really just not thinking, all right, 10 minutes from now, what do mm. I have to do? An hour from now, what do I have to Ooh. do? Next week, what do I have to do? And just really focusing on the here and the now. Oh, my gosh. What said. is it that's going on? Mm-hmm. And I don't think people talk enough about that no. because being busy is not cool. <laughs> Like back it's in the exhausting. day when we were growing up, it was it was deemed cool because yeah. of television. Television yeah. is a very powerful medium. Mm-hmm. And I can talk all day about television and media. You guys know that. But what I want people to understand is busy is not cool. Right. Busy mm-hmm. is whack. Right. Whack. Because you're not busy. You're you're kind of like mm-hmm. using that as a mask for either not. Not really taking time for yourself now, or avoiding something that's bigger. So I want to push back, right? Yeah. I think the context of busy has been overused. However, being busy is something, right? So right now we're busy. We're busy doing something, right? We're doing something productive, right? And so the word busy has been taken out of context and has been used as an excuse or a yes. mask. However, there is some legitimacy to being busy because technically, if I'm getting a call right now and somebody's trying to hit me up, I'm busy. Yeah. And so that is kind of more around the communication and the clarification around um, what busy means. Yes. Yeah. Because when I was in corporate America, yeah. people use busy all the time. <laughs> and I took it as like I would see them and I would ask them about something. And they were like, yeah, just tell her I'm busy. But they ain't doing nothing. Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. are not doing anything. Not they eating lunch, but not really lunch. It's just snacks, mm-hmm. pistachios, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just munching. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to talk to this young lady that's interested in being an intern or help this young man that has that's struggling with this tech aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to look at busy as meaning, like, I do not want to make time for you. Ooh, shit. And I'll say that again. I used to look Indeed. at busy to mm. mean... I will not make time for you. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you did push back because it allowed clarification for the listeners. Yeah. And then, and, and to, to add to that quickly is that because of the four agreements and the second agreement being around, don't take anything personally. Yes. That's right. And don't make assumptions is the third agreement. So don't take anything personally and don't make assumptions. The clarity of that, like that's some good shit. Like that's that next level of, Hey, you know what? Because you don't want to make time for me, actually, 
let me not even think of that. Mm-hmm. If you say you're busy, okay, you're busy. That's fine. And like the, the, the lightness that goes into that, it supports being able to see that it's not about you. Right. You got to check your ego. Yeah. True that. Because um, you have the big ego and the little ego. You mm-hmm. got to figure out which one it is. Mm-hmm. I love this. And we can talk all day about this. But we have a structure to keep. Facts. So right now, we're about to enter the speed round. Mm. This is like, this is that round where everybody's like, let me take a drink. <coughs> <coughs> oh, <laughs> just a drink. <sighs> so, in the speed round, I'm just going to shoot off a few questions. Set up whatever, <laughs> whatever answer comes to mind, <clears throat> and however you perceive that question, just go ahead and respond. Stay ready, so I have to get ready. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. So, first question: What gets you out of bed? God. Mm, I like that. Quick. Favorite band, group, or artist? Aaliyah. Favorite drink? Um, I want to say a Jameson Neat. Oh, wow. All right. Jameson Neat. And for those who don't drink, Neat means straight up. <laughs> All right. Nothing in there. No ice, no juice, nothing. Just boom, a shot in a glass. All right. <laughs> Role mm. models? My mother. Luxury item? My Apple Watch. Favorite food? Spinach. Really? Like Popeye? Like Popeye. Since I was young. Nice. Favorite country to visit? Italy. Best way to give back? Love. Retirement place? I want to say a couple places. Um, Australia, uh, Chicago, and somewhere in Cali in Florida. Okay, I like that. That's places. a variety. Yeah, Plural. places. So I imagine having homes. Homes. In each one of those places. Plural. <laughs> I got, I'm wealthy. <laughs> Cartoon. Anastasia. Mm. Because of Aaliyah. <laughs> <laughs> Heart, don't fail me now. <laughs> oh my gosh, everybody, go watch that. It's a, it's a very interesting movie. <laughs> um, drama. Drama. Oh, it's love to that. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't think of anything. Uh, drama. Ugh, I watch so much TV. Oh my gosh. What's happening? I'm frozen. Um, wait, hold on. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Drama. Uh, <laughs> uh, good trouble. Good trouble. What is that? It's a TV series or a nine one one. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Good trouble. I had to look in that. Comedy. Um, 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 Martin. Martin. Mm-hmm. All right. And the last question, what is happiness? Happiness is waking up every day and knowing that God loves you. You are meant to be here. You have a purpose and you matter always. Yes. Beautiful. So before we close out, this is your time. Is there anything you would like the listeners to know? <clears throat> that you're beautiful. You're a beautiful human. Um, currently, I'm working on a few projects. One of them includes uh, public speaking training. And you can check it out at ShantaeJConsulting.com. Again, that's ShantaeJConsulting.com. And I'm really working with a lot of people to support their um, 
fear around speaking in rooms. And so my approach is around speaking in any rooms. Uh, so public speaking training and also some consultation, just hit up com. Go check it out and, and rock with me. Like it, like it, like it. So thank you for being on the show. I had tons of fun. You dropped a lot of gems. That hey. I hope people rewind or re-listen to the episode to catch. Um, tell the people how to follow you and contact you outside of the website. Mm. <clears throat> Yo, find me on Instagram at the Shante J. That's just me in my life, in my personal life. You want to see my receipts? Uh, follow me at at Shante J Consulting. That's S H A N T A E J Consulting. You see that bars? Yeah. <laughs> uh, always. Um, you can also look at me. Uh, look up me on uh, Facebook too for Shante J Consulting, and anywhere on the interwebs. LinkedIn. Want to be my friend? Yo, let's talk about some professional things. I got you. Shantae, S-H-A-N-T-A-E, J, it stands for something, last name Edwards, Shantae <laughs> J. Edwards. Yeah, that J is real strong, B. I, I can't give it to you, but you know, you be my friend, you ask me, and I'll tell you, maybe. <laughs> Holla. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. Facts. Appreciate it. Gratitude.